Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I've looked at the weather reports from that those days before, and there were some 29-mile-an-hour gusts. A few di- Not on the day this happened, but like... 24 to 36 hours earlier, there had been that much wind. This is the plaintiff, Doreen Hand. Jesus, the defendant's tree came crashing down onto her backyard shed, demolishing it, and the defendant won't pay her to get it replaced. Neighbor or not, she's out $4,450 and is suing him for it here and now, today. This is the defendant, Brian Nicholson. He says he had a tree guy inspect the tree a few weeks before it fell, and the tree got a clean bill of health. He has no idea what caused it to fall. He certainly didn't knock it over, and he's sorry, but the plaintiff is barking up the wrong tree. He's accused of shellacking a she-shed. All parties, please raise your right hand. What you are about to witness is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with a case pending in civil court. Both parties have agreed to drop their claims and have their cases settled here before Judge Marilyn Millian in our forum, the People's Court. People's Court is now in session. The Honorable Judge Marilyn Millian is now presiding. Litigants have been sworn, Your Honor. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Okay, Ms. Hand, you are suing your neighbor for $4,450 because a tree from his property fell onto your shed. Tell me what happened. Hi, Your Honor. In October, we purchased a house. In November, we had some estimates come out, and they informed us that that tree was not a stable tree and that it was going to fall and damage our property. Okay. Now, how did that come up? Did you hire someone to take a look at it and see if it was damaged or diseased? Yes. We we were going to prune the tree because it was hanging way over our property. So they pruned a little bit, and they said that they couldn't prune anymore because it was an unstable tree. Okay, unstable. What does that mean, unstable? Well, that it was diseased and not a healthy tree. It was okay. a Do you have tree. anything from them saying, do you have anything in writing from an arborist saying that the tree is unhealthy and diseased? They would not give it to me because Brian was not home at the time and they needed to go on his property. And since it was my property, they wouldn't put it in writing for me. Okay. So, but even today when you're filing this lawsuit, you still don't have anything in writing? 
from anybody, no. from an arborist, for me to look at saying that it's a diseased tree? No, but I do. No. I did supply photos of okay. the tree. Well, so you, the, you supplied well, photos, and we're going to look at that in one second. Uh, Mr. Nicholson, did Ms. Hand ever talk to you and say, hey, my guy says your tree is bad? I recall when she was replacing her fence when she first moved in, uh, my wife and I went over to her property. There was an opening there, so I, we introduced ourselves, and within a minute, she mentioned that she didn't, she didn't like my tree or whatever. There was a problem with my tree. It was uh, leaning on her property. So uh, we just cut the conversation short and uh, we went back on my property. All right, so let me ask you, did you ever have any arborist look at the tree and say, no, that tree's fine? I had a tree in the middle of my property removed six months prior and I gave, I asked him to you know, go around. I have other trees on my property. And um, he, uh, he, he trimmed a few and I asked him for his opinion on the one that uh, in question here. It's a triple oak, you know, there's hundreds of them in this neighborhood. And um, uh, he mentioned that it wasn't diseased. He didn't think it was a, a big problem. So I just took his word for it. So everybody's just gonna tell me what somebody else said. That's what we call hearsay in the business. I mean, nobody's gonna show me one way or another. Ms. Hand, you're suing for the what you call the depreciated value of the shed, $300 to remove the damaged shed, $100 for two new bike seats, and $50 for an umbrella, all of which you say got damaged when the tree fell. Let's take a look at uh, the pictures. So these are pictures, I guess, of the bike. Uh, so the wood that I see going right down on the bike, those are the, those are the pieces of wood that fell down from inside the shed, right? Right, that's what was holding When it got hit by the truck. tree. Yeah. yeah. And then this is a picture of the shed damage. Yes. How old was this shed? Um, it was here when we moved in. It was approximately two years old. When did you move in? October 2019. Out of curiosity, did you ever try to repair the shed rather than demolish it? Well, when you see the pictures, there was a hole through the roof that we had just replaced the roof as well. Your Honor, that's what is this my photo Hold on, what, what is this? That's your photo that you submitted, and whose shed is that that I'm seeing your dollhouse or whatever it is? It's so cute. What is that? Is that, that on is your side shed, of the property? Yes, it okay. is. And her shed is just behind it. This tree has leaves on it. Sure does. How is it diseased? Your Honor. Your Honor, um, you'll see the tree when they cut it up that it was hollow inside. Can I ask you a question, Mr. Nicholson? When this happens, sure. how do you find out that it happened? Like, did you hear it? Were you home when this happened? Yes, it was Sunday morning, uh, July 12th of 2019. And, um, yeah, it, it, uh, a section of it came down, and it made quite a, a noise. Yeah. Just okay. a big thump. So you come out... Yeah, I bet, because it's a very tall tree. How tall is that tree, more or less? It's got to be at least 100 feet high. Okay, and so when that goes down, and I presume you run out to see what happened, does she run out to see what happened too? And do you two talk or no? Yes. Well, I went and got prices um, for, the, for the tree, you know, to get it removed from her property. And he finally came over, and I told him, listen, just take the whole thing down. He says, well, you know, you're only responsible for what's on your property line. And I said, listen, look, it's my tree. Let me, let me just take care of clean the whole thing up. Go in their yards and clean everything up. And um, he came over the next day. But before that, I advised uh, Doreen and um, her other neighborhood. It was like right on their property line that my tree guy was going to come over. And he was going to take care of everything. And then she said, well, so what you about went, you ended up paying for you ended up paying for the removal of the tree? Yes, I did. How much did that cost? And I that cost me 
$2,300. And yeah. Um, yeah. When, when I came home from work, he was still on a property. I was like, you know, I thought you guys would be done. He said, well, it took us longer because Miss um, Hand wouldn't let us uh, put the chipper in front of her house and the truck. So we had to bring it around and to, to the front of your house, which made the work much more difficult for them. And it kept them there longer. So I had to pay him another $200 in cash. But oh, of course, geez. I don't have All any right. uh, check for that, so. Oh, you gotta disagree with him. That's not true. We were very nice. He told me that he had to wait five days to get a permit to take the tree down. So it was laying back there for five days. And when they did come, I just asked for the permit and the guy would not supply it. And I did let him on the property right away because I wanted that tree removed. So in these, these photos that you've submitted, Ms. Hand, you can see that the inside is hollow, which is indicative of a tree that is having a problem. What the law requires you to show is that that is visible from the outside. And that's what I'm not seeing. I mean, you are absolutely actually... right. As it turns out, that thing was pretty hollow on the inside. But, you know, the tree actually... looks healthy from the outside and what he's responsible for is what he has notice of. So if the tree looks healthy and has leaves on it and, and it's part of a tree that is is still there, you know, then how is he, what is, what did he do wrong and why isn't it an act of God? Um, you know, I've looked at the weather reports from that, those days before, and there were some 29 mile an hour gusts a few not on the day this happened, but like 24 to 36 hours earlier, there had been that much wind. Um, and I know the thing is leaning over into your property and you don't like it, but for him to have a responsibility to cut a tree down that's a hundred feet high for him to cut a mature tree down. He has to have evidence that the tree is sick. You turned out to be right. I'm looking at it inside, but where's the evidence on the outside? If leaves are growing, typically how someone proves this is they show that the bark is peeling and the tree hasn't had leaves in forever. And it's obvious that it's dead. How is it obvious that this one's dead when it's growing leaves and health and the bark is healthy on the outside? Okay. Your Honor, at this time in December, when I notified Brian and his wife, there had been four arborists on my property and they all said the tree was a split tree and it was above the ground and his tree a lot of the limbs kept falling onto my property prior to this. And that's why I called and had it pruned a little bit because I was nervous that they, a big branch one time fell. We didn't notify right. but him. But if you want somebody to pay you $4,450, you got to prove that four, ar because now it's four arborists, not one. Four arborists told you that tree was diseased. All I need is one of them to put it in writing because a litigant can't come to court and say, trust me, judge, an expert told me so. You actually have to give the judge the expert testimony. You've got to, you've got to show me that people beforehand, not after it fell, because I can see it's diseased, people beforehand gave you some, you know, and you got to show me what they, their declaration that in fact the thing was diseased. If he had shown it to him, he might have cut the tree down and we wouldn't be here. Because really, short of that, he doesn't even have to pay to remove the tree from your property. I know you removed the tree from the property. When, when she told you, what about my shed? What was your response to that? What did you do? My response was, Doreen, I'd be more than happy to help uh, Frank, her, her uh, husband, to rebuild the shed, make the repairs. And she seemed sour to just her whole demeanor um, regarding the tree on her property. She just, uh, I didn't get a response. 
whether whether I should help her, Frank uh, rebuild the shed or not. I didn't get a response back from her. What do you think is going on? That she just wants a new shed or um, wants you to pay for What do you think then? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I can't speculate. Well, you did speculate. You uh, One of the things you said in your answer to the complaint was that she's putting in a pool and that maybe she just doesn't want all those trees around her because she's demanding that another neighbor take a tree down as well. Yeah, two other neighbors. They had Two other neighbors to take tree down. Yeah, if you look at that, yeah. uh, that, that aerial view of the neighborhood around her house, it doesn't look like that now. Yeah. Your Honor, when the arborist came and they informed us of Brian's tree, they also told us about the woman behind us' tree. We actually get paid half yeah. that money to take that tree down. They said that it was going to be a tree that would demolish our home. I know. I hear, I hear you, Ms. Hand, and I sympathize with what happened. Here's the problem. For you to make someone else pay for the shed, you have to show me that he was on notice that this is a diseased tree. And you have to prove I, I, that it was a I, diseased tree. I'm, you have proven that it's a diseased tree. I'm looking at the inside of the tree, and I can see that it's diseased. What you haven't proven is that he should know that it's a diseased tree because nobody knew until the tree came down what the inside of the tree looks like. So what the law does is it says to somebody, I have trees, I have, I have some property in North Carolina. There are trees on my property that I know are going to come down on, 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 on a deck that I have because I look at them. They haven't had leaves in I don't know how long and the bark is peeling and those trees need to come down. I'm on notice that they need to come down. I've asked my husband to take that tree down 500 times. When you've got a tree that looks like this picture that has leaves all around it, and there's not notice to anybody until someone cuts right through the bark and sees that, that there was a problem. There's a leaning tree that doesn't look good for you and it's annoying and you have to keep cutting the branches and you don't like it, I'm with you, but there's not a legal obligation on his part to bring down a tree that you have proven is diseased to him before this gust of 29 mile an hour gust of wind during July, which a few days after that, there was a tropical storm. Um, but I just, in looking, you know, the evidence is look at the tree and see whether someone should have known they should have taken it down. And if no one knows until the tree is down and cut up into pieces, oh yeah, look, it was starting to rot in the center, then that's not notice for him. And it's an act of God, and I'm ruling in this case in favor of the defendant. Well, Ms. Hand, the judge has decided it was an act of God and uh, you can't prevail on this case. What's your reaction to that? I'm a little upset about that because we told him that we had numerous people here and he was put on notice and the tree bark, if you look at the pictures that were submitted, you can see that the tree was dead and the roots were above the ground. It was a split tree. Okay. Mr. Nicholson, you know, you're, you were really nice to clean up the tree that part of it that came down on her property. You didn't have to do that either. Am I right? It's the right thing to do. She's a, you know, she's a neighbor. That's what neighbors do. So, uh, Marilyn, if a tree falls on your neighbor's shed and no one's around in the area, does it make a sound? Yeah, it makes it sound like uh, see you in court. Exactly, <laughs> see you in court. A case like this is just a straight-up negligence case. So, I mean, any homeowner has a reasonable, a duty to use reasonable care to maintain the yard and keep things safe. And unless they have actual or constructive knowledge that that tree is rotten inside... Yeah, I mean, she, she, you know, the fact that 
a neighbor's tree is leaning over on your property and you don't like it because it looks like this will happen someday, right. that's not a cause of action. Right. The, the tr- he, that, that's not a cause of action. The trees are, are all over this area, and, right. um, and if, they're, if the branches they're are over your house, then cut the branches over your house. Right. You yep. have the right to do that, but you don't have the right to pin the cost on him. And if you want to prove to somebody that their tree is diseased, because I don't see how anybody could have told her the tree was diseased from so the outside. So what could she have done differently to, to, to For, make this work out in her favor? The thing to do is to, at your cost, mm-hmm. have your arborist do the drilling and right. see whether there's a problem. And then put it in writing and give it to your neighbor, you know, in a way where you can prove that you gave it to your neighbor. And then you will have no problem going to court and saying he was on actual notice, let alone constructive notice, that the tree was diseased. But, you know, her telling me four people out there said the tree was diseased is not proof. And worse than that, you saw the tree. The tree had leaves everywhere, and the bark was perfect. Outwardly, outwardly it looked like a very healthy tree. Yes! Sandy wants to know this. Hey, Harvey, my husband and I have wills which were drawn up in Alabama. If we move to a different state, do we have to have new wills drawn up for that new state? Generally, no. A lot of states recognize wills that were drafted in other states if they were drafted legally. However, I would argue this. If you've moved to a new state and there are new laws and you're accumulating income, I would at least run it by an estate planning lawyer. You could go to the state, your local bar association, maybe get a low-cost consultation, show them the will, and just ask, does it need revision or does it need something? That will do it for this case. Litigants for the next case inside the courtroom. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. These are the plaintiffs, Heather and Doug. Heather says the defendant's huge Siberian husky grabbed her poor little Pomeranian by the neck during a violent, unprovoked attack. And the defendant won't do the decent thing and refund her for the vet bills. Her dog was 100% at fault, and she's here suing for the $3,973.83 she's owed. This is the defendant, Julie. She says her 40-pound husky was on a short, tight leash. And the plaintiff's dog was on one of those long, loose leashes, and they couldn't control her. And a fight broke out as they passed one another on the sidewalk. She feels bad about the whole thing, but isn't responsible for these vet bills. She's accused of failing to control her husky.
All parties, please raise your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiff says that their poor little Pomeranian was attacked by the defendant's Siberian Husky, and the Siberian Husky owners will not pay the vet bills. But the defendant says the plaintiffs failed to control their little dog, and she's sorry, but she owes them nothing. It's the case of that's one Hulk and Husky. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Okay, Ms. Heather and Mr. Doug, you are suing Ms. Julie for $3,973.83 that you have expended in vet bills because according to you, Ms. Julie's dog attacked your dog and caused that damage. Let me hear from you. Okay, um, my daughter Samantha and I were walking Walter the morning of February 20th and Walter stopped to go to the restroom and we could see down at the corner, Julie and her dog were heading towards us on the sidewalk. So Walter's going to the bathroom, I'm picking it all up. Julie is getting closer to us and my daughter, Samantha, looks at Julie and is about ready to comment, oh, your dog has beautiful eyes. At that point, um, our dog, Walter, was looking away from um, their dog, her husky, and was looking just ready to go home. He was done and her husky, Julie's husky, came around Walter and grabbed him by the neck in his mouth, so Walter was in his mouth. Now Walter only has one eye, so his peripheral vision, he didn't even see it coming. So meanwhile, um, Walter is in his mouth, crying, flailing about, trying to get out of the dog's mouth. Uh, the dog threw Walter to the floor. Walter was able to squirm out of his harness. He was not in his harness anymore, and the dog threw Walter to the floor. Uh, thank goodness Walter did not run because he did not have the harness on him anymore. I think he was just in a state of shock. So my daughter Samantha and I picked up Walter and ran home. How did the dog, how did Walter get out of the harness? By squirming and just trying to get away from the dog as, uh, as Walter was in the dog's mouth. We ran home um, and Julie didn't even say anything, didn't comment, I hope your dog is okay didn't do anything. So we ran all the way home to make sure that Walter was okay because he was not, you know, he was frozen basically. So we ran home and at that point we took him home. He seemed okay at the moment. So we went on with our day, but by as the day progressed, he got worse. Okay, so stop, he, stop, stop, stop. When you say he seemed okay at the moment, what does that mean? Did, did the, you've described a really brutal attack. Are you saying Yes. that the husky didn't even break skin there was no there were no, no. puncture wounds there was he, nothing there was no blood there was nothing okay so as the day progr and and walter was acting normal then as the day progressed what happened then he stopped eating he wasn't eating he wanted nothing for dinner he and he is an eater he wanted nothing for dinner he didn't drink and his breathing sounded very labored all right and what time of the day did the dog attack happen what what time of the day it was probably about seven eight o'clock in the morning okay so it was early and then when do you notice that the dog is not eating dinner um we what usually time? we would take him for a walk probably around five we noticed he wasn't eating 5 p.m and his breathing okay hurt. Okay, so we're talking about 10 hours later, you notice the breathing and the lack of eating, and then what happens? And then we called the emergency vet, and they said we should bring him in. So we took him to the emergency vet hospital, and they did x-rays, they did all that stuff, and they came to the conclusion that he aspirated because of the force of the husky throwing Walter to the floor. He aspirated, and that caused him to have pneumonia by the sheer force of throwing Walter to the floor. 
So he had to have x-rays. He was in uh, a breathing, he was in a breathing tent for two nights in the hospital, in the emergency hospital. And um, he had to have- And the diagnosis was aspirate pneumonia, right? That was the diagnosis, aspirate pneumonia. Correct. Did the vet find any contusions, like a pulmonary contusion? No. Did the vet find any broken skin? No. Was anything broken? No. Were there, was there any bruising? No, there was no bruising. It was all just internally inside him. Was there any internal bleeding? No, no bleeding. The only thing they found was aspirate pneumonia. Correct. Ms. Julie, why don't you tell me how things went down? Sure. Um, okay, so I was on a walk with Olive, and I saw Walter walking uh, towards me. I remember we smiled at each other, maybe said hi. I um, walk Olive on a very short leash, and I usually hold her by the handle that's like only a foot and a half so that she's healing. So she was walking on my left side on the outside of the sidewalk, and they were coming towards us, and Walter was on a longer leash, and he was in the middle of the sidewalk. And then, you know, everything seemed fine. And then as soon as he got past me, I felt Olive's, you know, yank on the leash. I turned around. She had grabbed Walter by the neck. So I immediately turned around, saw what was happening, and I yanked on Olive's leash and said her name, I think. And she immediately let him go. And she is not a large husky. She's a small husky. So Walter couldn't have been more than a foot and a half off the ground. And she didn't shake him. She immediately let him go. Um, And I asked her several times, is he okay? Is he okay? Is your dog okay? She didn't say anything to me. And um, I could see Walter and he seemed okay, thankfully. He was just kind of panting. He wasn't crying or making any noise. And then they left and didn't say anything to me. So Um, what's the name of your dog, Heather? No, Samantha, wait, what's your, Walter. Why'd you name the dog Walter? He came, he was a rescue, so he came with that name and it fit him perfectly. So he was a little old man, (laughs) always. It's a great, great, it really is like a little, all right. So I am, I'm, I'm looking at your vet's reports. The attack occurred very briefly. There were no visible external wounds. Walter was found struggling while hanging from his neck as the other dog grabbed him and held him above the ground. He was let free of his harness and fell onto his chest. I mean, we're talking about six inches. There's no hemorrhage, no immediate changes to his behavior, no signs of respiratory distress. Now, Walter was under medical care already, right? Correct. Um, Walter has cancer? Uh, He did. He actually has passed away since this that time. So, I'm so sorry, but he did, honey. he did have I'm cancer. I'm so sorry. Thank you. So, this is what you are hanging your hat on here, which is item number two in the discussions recommendations. Walter's symptoms are suspected due to aspiration pneumonia. And aspiration pneumonia is when something goes into your lungs that doesn't belong there and then causes the pneumonia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. When Walter fell onto his chest, he may have had a silent reflux causing aspiration, then later developing aspiration pneumonia. The patterns seen today on his radiographs are not consistent with pulmonary contusion. That was one of the first things I was looking for to see if, okay, you know, if you slam me on the ground, I may have a pulmonary contusion, and we can definitely link what happened to the pneumonia. But 
I gotta tell you, as, as hard as your doctor is trying to get your vet bills paid by this lady, I'm having some difficulty. There's no question that her dog shouldn't have bit your dog on the neck, but there is some question about how violent that was when it didn't break skin. There's no contusions, there's no, there's no pierce, there's no internal bleeding, there's no, you know, you describe this really violent thing. She's describing this momentary thing and the vet actually says it was really quick. Uh, and then the vet's guessing because even the vet doesn't say this is how it happened. You know, when the vet is saying, well, maybe this is what, this may have happened. It may be a result of, you know, the, but how? You know, it's so much more likely, particularly when the symptoms didn't even come up in the beginning of the day. It's so much more likely that it had to do with eating at some point or aspirating something, you know, saliva or doing, you know, there's so many other things that could lead to the pneumonia other than this super, super stretch that it was a dog grabbing the neck and then letting go. And her dog is not that tall. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I defer to vets all the time, but even your vet knows that they're stretching when they say, well, maybe this is what happened. When you come to court, you have to be able to prove that it is by a preponderance of the evidence, it is more likely than not that it's her dog's fault. And even your own vet only uses like the theory. Uh, this may be what happened. That's not more likely than not. And based on, on, on the circumstances of what has been described, I am so sorry that you have these tremendous bills that I know you were footing even before this. Um, but you know, when I see a history of coughing and, uh, and, and aspiration, aspirate pneumonia doesn't seem like it could be caused by this. I'm so suspicious. And then I read the, the vet's notes and it's like, well, it may have been caused. May doesn't cut it to cause her to pay you $4,000. It just doesn't. And I know she feels awful. And I, and I feel awful that your dog passed away. I feel awful that you had all those bills. But I cannot on the words may have been caused, force her to pay you $3,973.83, especially not with the dog's history. That's my verdict, and I wish you all good luck. Thank you. So the plaintiffs have failed to prove their case, and uh, the judge finds for the defendant. Uh, Heather, Doug, let me ask you how you feel about the outcome. What do you think the judge's decision? Extremely disappointed. I mean, we have to respect the the verdict, um, even though we disagree. But the fact remains that he did not have this problem, these problems until the dog attack. Um, and it seems to me as though it's it's focusing on the May when to us, the facts support our case. Uh, Julie, I know you feel bad about all of this happening, but uh, let me ask you your reaction to this case. Uh, I feel relieved. Um, my family felt the same way from the paperwork. We felt like Walter had a lot of other health conditions and that this encounter between our dogs didn't cause that. And it was a very expensive vet bill. So, you know, really relieved and happy that, you know, we don't have to pay it. Well, this little guy, Walter, this Pomeranian dog, apparently was, uh, was quite a, he was, he was a tough customer. He was tougher than a $2 steak because he fought cancer for a long time. Hey, the dog was only having chemotherapy. Eye. He was in chemo, he only had one eye, et cetera. And then this incident happened, and unfortunately he ends up with pneumonia. But 
you couldn't really say more likely than not it resulted from this based on the evidence you had. Yeah, I mean, if anything, you know, when he, when I know the plaintiff is upset, but when he says the evidence supports it because it didn't happen until the attack. No, the attack happened at 7 in the morning, and it, and we're calling it an attack. It was a right. brief encounter where, okay, grab the dog, let go of the dog, and right. it didn't even pierce his skin. Right. Um, nothing, no contusions, no no stitches, no no pierced skin, no, no nothing. Not uh, enough to carry the No jewelry. shaking, no anything. I mean, that's why right. the, the, the vet said may, because 10 hours later, Right. And aspirate pneumonia happens in a moment, and, you know? And the vet's notes did indicate a history of coughing, uh, yeah. that, that he was overweight, et cetera. But, you know, uh, God bless Heather and Doug for adopting a, a rescue like that and giving him the, the, the many happy years that he had. Justin wants to know this. Hey, Harvey, can my employer force me to stay home from work because there's a greater risk for someone like me to contract COVID? Isn't it my risk and my choice? Well, employers can say, look, we want to be safe in the office. And they're doing a lot of this right now where they are testing people for COVID. If they come in, they are restricting who can come in. It is untested as to whether they can say, you've got a high risk situation, so you can't come in. That's just an untested area of the law. And we've talked about this before. The law has not caught up to the pandemic. And that's what's going to happen in the next couple of years. That will do it for this case. Litigants for the next case inside the courtroom. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the plaintiff, Gina Houston. She says she put down a deposit on an electrical tricycle at the defendant's shop in June of 2020. And she still doesn't have the trike, and the defendant refuses to return her money. This guy's a liar. She doesn't trust him as a businessman anymore, and is suing him for the $1,000 she's surely owed. This is the defendant, Dave. He says he feels badly about the delay. But these trikes are built in China, and due to the pandemic and all the upheaval, delivery was delayed. Bottom line, he clearly states he doesn't guarantee delivery times, and he owes this woman nothing. He's a king, creating an unfortunate situation. All parties, please use your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiff says she gave the defendant money for an electric tricycle a year ago and still hasn't gotten the thing. But the defendant says these trikes are built in China and things have been taking a very long time due to the pandemic, so the plaintiff needs to be patient. It's the case of what you peddling. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. All right, Ms. Houston, you are suing Mr. Dave and the company that he owns for $1,000, 500 of it a deposit that you left on something that has not been delivered, and another 500 for good measure and the aggravation you've gone through trying to get your first 500 back. Okay, talk to me. What happened here, Ms. Houston? Hi, Your Honor. Back in June of 2020, 
I was told by my uh, surgeon that I could ride a three-wheeler. I used to ride a two-wheeler, but because of my accident, I could no longer ride a two-wheeler. So he said I can ride a three-wheeler because it's more stable. Um, the same day I came home from, from that appointment, my neighbor drove up in his driveway with, on a three-wheeler. And I'm like, oh, I want one of those. I was fixated. So right then and there, I started looking to find one. So uh, I found the defendant's website. First we texted, then we spoke. And he was telling me, no, I don't have any right now, but they'll be coming in soon. You can put it down a deposit. So I was excited. I wanted to get one. So that's what I did. Uh, we emailed right. back and what was the deal? You were, did he tell you when they would come in? He said around uh, July, the first time. And then it didn't come in in July. What did he say in July? Right. He said that they'll be coming in in August. Uh, there was some type of uh, delay, but they should be back around the third week of August. And then I it didn't believe. come in the third, third week of August. August. So and when did he say after that that it would arrive? Uh, October of 2020. And what did you say? I and did you wait until October or did you lose lose your patience before that? I lost my patience. I asked for the refund back in August of 2020. But before I even sent him the check, I had asked him, if for some reason I change my mind, will I be able to get my deposit back? And he sent me And your a, position um, is that he told you, yes, the deposit's refundable. Is this a picture of what we're talking said, about? Is it like a motorcycle or is somewhat, it like, it's a, it's more like a, a scooter? Larger scooter? Right, a larger scooter. So what's the problem, Mr. Dave? She, the lady put a deposit. The thing didn't come in. She wants her deposit back. What's the problem? Okay, uh, the problem was uh, that the warehouse basically told me they were coming in a certain date, and I went ahead and uh, gave them the $500 deposit. And what transpired, basically, is uh, they kept delaying it. But they actually did arrive at the end of October, first week in November. I did tell Miss Houston that it's ready to ship and I'm trying to get a refund of the deposit back from the warehouse because they misled saying uh, by them telling me that they will give me the $500 deposit back. So uh, at this point, I did not was not able to get the $500 deposit back from the warehouse and the trucks are in stock, so I asked. Yeah, but is it, how does that become her problem? In other words, you guys correspond by email, and she has a deal she strikes with you where she's going to get her trike on a certain day. And then there's a delay. That's understandable. But then there's a delay and a delay and a delay, and we're talking about months and months and months. But more importantly, yes. she says that you told her that the deposit was refundable. I did say that. I did say the deposit is refundable. Uh, the time that I yeah, told her, I know. Uh, you know how, and yeah. but you know what I find a little a little disturbing is that you gave me a list of emails, and you know which email you took out and didn't give me. In the list of emails is the one where you say it's non-refundable, but she gave it to me, so I know you sent it that it's refundable. So it's if refundable. it's refundable, then why is your problem with your manufacturer her problem? Why is she out the five hundred? If you breach the contract by not delivering, but you also breach the contract because you said it would be refundable. So why is she out the money instead of you? At this point, because I did say that it is refundable, uh, I must have to agree with you that it's my fault. Uh, and I, what I tried to do is I tried to see if she would want to try to All you to had to, to do her. was sue him. That's all you had to do, Ms. Houston. You had to go to court, file a complaint, 
Okay, I would love to give you $500 for aggravation, but you do not get to double a lawsuit based on how aggravated okay. someone makes you. So it's $500 plus prejudgment statutory interest since the time you paid it, plus your court costs. Pay the lady. Thank you, Judge Millian. I watch you every day, all day. God is good. Well, the judge let the defendant have it uh, in no unquestioned terms. Uh, Dave, what are you thinking? The judge is really kind of upset with you. I will, uh, I will pay the money, and uh, I do apologize. I was just waiting to see if there was any possibility that I would get the refund or, or the customer would want uh, the track sheet to. Come on, it was a refundable thing. You said it in your paperwork. You should have given her the money back a long time ago. All right, Ms. Houston, congratulations. You are a winner. You're going to get your money. How you feel? <laughs> I feel excited, and I'm just sad that it had to come through this. But uh, 500 is nothing to sneeze at. And anybody in Georgia and around the world, watch out for this guy and his company. All right, congratulations. I really want one of these now. <laughs> <laughs> I think the plant's a fan, Marilyn. Oh, no, uh, she was probably adorable. watches all the time, like she said. Yeah, she knows yeah. her rights. Absolutely. That's what happens when you watch a people's court for 20-something years. Right, you pick up a thing or two. <laughs> but look, a deal is a deal. Yeah. And uh, he promises a refundable deposit for the 500 bucks. He says, oh, yeah, you'll have it next month, basically. You'll have it in September when she puts the deposit down in August. S six months later... However many four months, months later, four months later. But I mean, even even if he had never sent that email, I just found it so slimy that he gave me a stack of emails and omitted the one that made him. The refundable one? Right. Right. Yeah, he did. But that. even if he hadn't said that, it wouldn't matter. They were breaching the contract anyway. He right. was breaching the contract. You know, it may not be his fault, but it's certainly not hers. How do you hold on to the money all that time? And then it's just when someone has a gun to your head that you finally say, oh, OK, I guess I do owe it. Yeah, that's pretty, uh, uh, pretty unscrupulous. Yeah, it is unscrupulous. So Tanya wants to know this. Hey, Harvey, uh, is it true you don't have to go to law school? All you have to do is pass the bar exam and then you're a lawyer. Well, guess what? Kim Kardashian's doing exactly that. She has to take what they call the baby bar. And if she passes, then she can take the real bar and become a lawyer. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.